Jeremiah spoke of God's word as a consuming fire. It was a word of judgment for the people, for Judah. And the bottle represents his tears, for he ministered God's word with great sorrow, great sadness. Let's begin this morning in 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. So you want 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. 2nd Chronicles chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. That's in Judah. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places the Asherim and the carved and the metal images, and they chopped down the altars of the Baals in his presence. And he cut down the incense altars that stood above them, and he broke in pieces the Asherim and the carved and the metal images, and he, he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in their ruins all around, he broke down the altars, he beat the ashram and the images into powder, and he cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. And then a great deal of money is collected to repair the temple of the Lord. And look at verse 14. While they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah, Hilkiah is the father of Jeremiah. Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and Shaphan brought the book to the king and further reported to the king all that was coming to your servants they are doing. They have emptied out the money they found in the house of the Lord. They've given it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Asai, the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me. And for those who are left in Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book that have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, 
Because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. Well, our old house in Arnstein, where we used to live a long time ago, was always going to be an old house, circa 1915. No matter the changes that we made in the home, I mean, we painted, we changed flooring, we papered over cracks, we redid a bathroom, we got rid of the bats in the attic, mostly. One was living in the wall, I couldn't get him, and when you're in the bathroom, you could hear him going for like hours. <laughs> when we left, the floor still slanted a bit. The basement was only for canned preserves, and the roof still leaked near the chimney no matter what I did. We sold it as an old house. Old houses, no matter the facelift, are old houses. Now, look for a time like Judah was moving to a new house. I mean, things here with King Josiah, <coughs> I mean, it was just so positive. It was so refreshing. Of all the kings, he, he was a powerful religious reformer near the end of Judah's government, before they were taken finally into exile. He, he from an early age, the age of 16, he was, he was making things right. Look at verse 3 again. <clears throat> For in the eighth year of his reign, that's when he's 16, he's just a teenager. While he was yet a boy, they called it a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father in the twelfth year. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. So by the age of 20, he is actively coming against the false idols that his nation had fallen into. There was a wind in the sails of, of Judah. Uh, it, was, it was like a fresh start, a, a possibility that Judah would return to the Lord. And something, of course, so wonderful and dramatic happened while the restoring and repairing the temple, which had been left to decay and to rot, just like an old house. In verse 14, they found Hilkiah, Hilkiah the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. That's the first five books of the New Old Testament. He found them. Imagine I mean, I probably have personally some 20 different translations of scriptures. You probably have lots of different Bibles in your house. If you've got kids, you've got all sorts of Bibles in your house, probably. Imagine, they didn't have anything. And they find this old book, they hardly even know what it is. They'd just been going on momentum, and it was all corrupted, their practices, and they were missing worship observances. They were just gone. And so they find this book. Jeremiah's father seems to have found it. And in verse 19, he says, the king heard the words of the law. He tore his 
close. He's just absolutely devastated because he realizes how far away from God the nation was. What they do in the rest of the chapter is they, they call this huge, giant, solemn assembly of the nation. It's a huge service. In verse 29 and following, the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went into the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the Levites. And what he did was he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant. And so they have this incredible recommitment ceremony taking place. Uh, verse 32, then he made all who were present and in Jerusalem and in Benjamin join in it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of the Lord and the God of the fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations from the territory, belonged to the people of Israel, made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God all his days. <laughs> they made this national recommitment. But there's an interesting re re repetition of a phrase in this chapter. You can see it in verse 32. Then he made all. He's making the people obey the Lord. When you have to make the people obey the Lord, instead of them just wanting to obey the Lord, you know you have a problem. King Josiah would eventually be killed in battle. It was devastating. And uh, chapter 35 tells that story. And it tells us also that Jeremiah, verse 25 or 35, Jeremiah also uttered a lament for Josiah. So he, he sang a song. He sang a sad song for Jeremiah at his funeral. Uh, it's a devastating turn of events. Jeremiah must have been absolutely, incredibly disappointed because everything was looking so good. Everything seemed to be going in the right direction. And then Josiah, King Josiah is killed. And I can imagine his lament and his dirge. Things went so quickly downhill. If you notice, probably your scripture says in chapter 36, Judah's decline. And it works through all of the, the sons of Josiah, the four different sons and their reign and how everything was proven to be hypocritical. That their commitment to the Lord was fleeting. Their worship was false. It was compromised. And how quickly they brought back Baal. How quickly they brought back the Ashtaroth and Moloch. And how quickly in their behaviors and their wickedness, they just reverted to the paganism of the lands around. They would not, they could not keep the law of God. Josiah had made them while he was alive, but now that he's dead, they make themselves do what their hearts want. 
Now, the old covenant was a two-party covenant. God had his part to play, and so did the people. And so from the establishment of the old covenant, this agreement between God and man, it was clear that the people broke their part and that they would not only forget the blessings, but it would ruin their relationship with God and bring down judgment on their heads. And this is exactly what happened. And Jeremiah had the sad job most of his days to declare the consequence of the broken covenant. I mean, Moses scarcely had received the law from God up on the mountaintop. He'd scarcely received it. And down below in in the valley, the people were already violating its commands. But God is not done with them yet. Turn over to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 30, 31, and 32 are sometimes called the book of hope. The book of hope. Isn't that nice? Look at verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them out of the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke. Not like the old covenant, he says. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. He uses that marriage metaphor. He says, I'm, I'm bringing an entirely new thing into existence. An entirely new agreement. And it's not like the old agreement that you kept breaking. I mean, that Josiah, King Josiah, tried to make you keep. And the marriage metaphor, of course, that he uses, calling himself the husband of Israel, means Israel is the bride who wanders, who is unfaithful, who breaks the marriage covenant. And he tells them this new covenant that he is bringing is going to be radically different than the old. He says in verse 33, for this is the covenant that I will make. It's not Josiah, you see. I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor, each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they'll all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. It's a radically different covenant. He says, I'm going to do something within the human heart. I'm going to do something, not on tables of stone, but I'm going to write on the innermost being of a person. This is done by God's word and his spirit. Moses hinted at this when he said, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring. 
so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live, he says. He looked ahead to that day. Ezekiel did too, where he prophesied of God, I will put my spirit within you, you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. You'll know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, I will do it, declares the Lord. You see, this new covenant that he's saying, this new agreement, results in a new relationship with God, where his people are going to have a love for his will. Uh, They're going to want to obey him. They're going to want to tell the truth. They're going to love him. It's going to be inherent within them. I will put my law within their hearts, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. A one-to-one relationship. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor, but they will know me, he says, and I will forgive them. They're going to know full forgiveness of sin through this new covenant. It's going to be a one-to-one relationship, and they're going to want to follow God. They're going to have a, a heart for God. If you notice here in Jeremiah 31, in the text I have read, God does it all. He says, I will make, I will put, I will write, I will be their God, I will forgive. It's all like God's initiation. It's not like King Josiah had to force them to say, you know, Josiah made them made them do it, made them go to the worship service. He, no, he says, God says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this right in their heart and they're gonna wanna do it. A totally different agreement. And God's love and kindness expressed through the new covenant. Now this prophecy, this new covenant was inaugurated about 640 years later by Jesus Christ. That's why at the Last Supper with his disciples, that's why Jesus said, this cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. That's so important. Jesus chose his words very carefully. He's inaugurating the new covenant, the new agreement in his blood. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, therefore Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. He's called the guarantor of a better covenant with better promises. And it's through his life that he gave. It's through his blood that he shed. It's through his death which he offered And he rose from the dead. His resurrection from the dead that we too might rise. It's all through this that we are welcomed in to the new covenant by faith. There is a saying that says, beauty is only skin deep. That essentially means you may be beautiful on the outside, but that beauty doesn't necessarily reach to the inside. Uh, 
You may be a handsome man on the outside, but on the inside you're a reprobate. Beauty or handsomeness might hide bad character, wickedness and evil. And you have to get to know somebody inside, deep down. And the old covenant couldn't reach there. It just couldn't reach deep down into human life where sin is born. It couldn't go beyond the outward. It couldn't change the inside or necessarily really reflect the character of a person. In fact, it could mask a rebellious spirit as we saw in the Pharisees. It could hide a sinful heart. It instead reveals how impossible it is to establish our own righteousness. We cannot because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The old covenant of works and effort and trying to obey God, it couldn't reach down beyond the service. It couldn't cleanse the heart finally where sin dwells. It couldn't reach within. It couldn't bring anybody to perfection. Not a Jew, not me, not you. But the new covenant can do that. And that's what's absolutely amazing. The writer of Hebrews says, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws, not on tablets of stone, but in their minds. And I will write it on their hearts, the innermost being. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. He's saying, I will do this. I will initiate this. This is like in Romans when he says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers and those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That is, it's entirely of God and his initiation. He takes a sinner from here and does all these marvelous things through the new covenant and and takes him to there. The old covenant was for the Jews. The new covenant is for Jews and Gentiles, for all who believe in the Messiah, for everyone who receives, he gives the power to be called children of God, to find forgiveness for their sins, lasting, meaningful forgiveness, to be welcomed by God on glory and on on the other side of our death, eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, when he preached, said this, I understand Truly, that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, 
Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his sins. We were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but we were born of the will of God, born again. And in Ephesians, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, he's talking about Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace. And he has made us both one, Jew and Gentile. He's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. I feel my flesh is like an old house. And it's getting older. And the wind is, is beating down on it. And perhaps you feel like that too. And, and we have sinful cracks. Transgressions of the flesh and mind have weathered and shifted the foundation. Rebellious spirits we carry toward God are like leaky roofs, ever present, dripping, dripping, dripping hopelessness. Mold grows. Decay sets in, and there are still bats flying around in the, in the belfry. And corruptness, and behaviors and practices that we begin to think are normal, even good, but are actually vile in the eyes of God. And the flesh and the default of the human race is to try and renovate it, to try to make it presentable, to, to try some good works, maybe some volunteering, maybe some new floors and some new shingles. And with great effort, we might get it to our life to have a, a more presentable appearance but it's still an old house. And Romans says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Not a single person will be able to be said that they're innocent in the eyes of God, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The old covenant teaches us that we can't keep it and therefore we are sinners. And we are an old house, no matter how we dress it up. Spurgeon said this, a hog in a silk waistcoat is still a hog. 
And the Bible says we can never establish our own righteousness. That we need the righteousness of Christ which comes to us by faith. And that faith in Christ Jesus, the one who inaugurated the new covenant, the new agreement, well, he does it all. (laughs) That he makes all things new. He alone can do that. He He can take down the old and put up a new home. He can make us a new person. Or we find our sins are forgiven and we have eternal life promised. The Bible says he causes us again to be born again to a living hope. We respond in faith and trust. Colossians says we have put on the new self. Not a renovated self, but a brand new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Therefore, anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. The old has passed away. So it hasn't been renovated. It's gone. It's dead. The new The new has come where he has written on our hearts. And even this morning as we've worshiped, we wanted to come here. We wanted to be here. We we looked forward to it. We planned it. We we wanted our kids to be here, to hear and to learn. And and that's because what he's done in our lives through Jesus Christ. We go out into the world. We want to obey him. We want to speak truth. We want to not lie. We want to do what's which right and honors him even in a world that doesn't like those who honor him. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I mean, the wonderful thing is when we put our faith in Christ, And he writes the terms of the new covenant on us, makes us new, that we love God, we love holiness. We want to know him more and more. We want to know him better. We want to be like Jesus because he reaches down deep in the heart. He can do that. He's gone past the externals, way beyond the skin. And he sees, as as only he can do, And he writes his holiness, he writes his word inside where only he can reach. So I appeal to you and I call you to repent of your sins, your works, your efforts at renovating yourself. Admit instead that you are lost. Admit that you are a sinner and that Left to yourself, you are hopeless, as hopeless as Israel was. And believe in Christ, the Son of God, who died for you, who was given for you, who paid the penalty of your sin for you. Receive his forgiveness, and he will make you new. He will write deep within your soul his word and his truth and his holiness. Let's pray together. Father, 
Thank you for your word to us. Thank you for this precious text that speaks of this new covenant, this new agreement that was inaugurated at the death of our Jesus on the cross. This new covenant we remember at Lord's table, this new covenant we, we walk in and live out our lives under its care and shelter. Lord, for those here who are not part of this new covenant, we pray, Lord, that you would convict their hearts, let them know their peril, and that they cannot be renovated, that they must be made new. And only you can do that, Father. And you will do that if they turn to you, seeking forgiveness, repenting and believing in Jesus and following him the rest of their lives. So we thank you, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.